The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So we all know one. Chances are you know several. Very good chances that you are one. A complainer. It's kind of adorable when kids complain, right? Because you expect one day you'll look back and laugh how long it took them to eat their peas. Or like my brother who complained all the way up every single mountain we ever climbed and now is paid lots of money to help make mountaineering gear. But it's not as adorable when adults complain, right? Think about how long it takes when you stand behind somebody in line at a coffee shop and their 20-ounce, sugar-free, half-calf, soy, vanilla latte is not hot enough. Or when someone comes back from a very exotic vacation and they just tell you how much they need another vacation because... (laughs) That one was so exhausting. <laughs> right? It, it's the, the complaining that like it grates on you, gets you. And, and it's just this morning when I was coming into the office to print and uh, Angelic was in there printing already. And, and, and the, the hand of the Lord just covered my mouth <laughs> because she, she goes, hey, how was your weekend? And I, before I said anything, I said, oh, how was your weekend? And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was pretty exhausting. It's like, yeah, she has all these kids and, and they have a nut, like Isaiah came and spent the weekend with them and, and here I am like, single guy, took a couple naps yesterday and I was going to tell her how tired I was, right? <laughs> I didn't. Um, I was like, well, we had very different weekends. Um, so complaining, you know, it's something that it can be so annoying and yet when we, when we come to the book of Habakkuk, And yes, there's a book in the Bible called Habakkuk. There's also a Nahum. We always forget about Nahum. Habakkuk. When we come to Habakkuk, he is a character who doesn't complain about Israel as much as the other prophets. He complains about how God is interacting with Israel. So he turns his complaint and he looks at God and he says, God, what are you doing? Knowing who God is and God's character and God's nature, he kind of files complaint against God. He's a, he's a complainer, but it's what I'm going to call a faithful complainer. Because in his, in his complaining, he doesn't sin and he doesn't judge God. He is just asking God. He's confused. Knowing the promises and the character of God, he's confused with what's happening. The Assyrians have, have taken over, right? The Assyrians have, have fully invaded Israel and they've scattered everyone around. The interesting thing about Habakkuk, actually, his, his name is sort of this hybrid name with a Macedonian name. And so, so you even see in his name that, that with the Assyrians coming in, they've influenced the whole culture, even the naming of the kids in the name of Habakkuk. His name means plant, right? But even in, in that, you, you see this disruption of the people of God. And so when we start, and do we have um, Habakkuk 1? If we, uh, that's okay. Uh, if you have your Bibles, just turn with me to Habakkuk 1. 
and, and we'll just start in verse one. We're gonna go through to uh, verse four. Here we go. It says, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received He says, how long must I call for help, but you do not listen? And this is him talking to God. How how long am I going to call, but God, you don't seem to listen to me or cry out to you, violence, but you don't save. God, do you see the violence that is happening here? People are dying here. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, destruction, violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abound. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. This is what, this is the complaint, the complaining that Habakkuk brings to God. And, and maybe some of you seeing what's going on in the world today could say these things. I'm crying out to you, violence. God, there's violence. You don't seem to save. And so God's response, and we're not going to read it, but God's response is simply, I am going to respond. But God's response isn't something that's satisfying to Habakkuk. He says, yes, the Assyrians have taken over, and I'm going to bring in the Babylonians to take out the Assyrians. And so Habakkuk says, that's not what I had in mind. Right? Just, I thought justice would be that you're going to empower your people Israel to come in and conquer the people who have conquered them. Instead, you're choosing another unjust nation to come wipe out the unjust nation that is already in a position of power over us. And so God's response does not satisfy Habakkuk. And so if you come down to verse 12, this is what Habakkuk says. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. See, he knows who God is and he says, you, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? He's saying, why do you tolerate Babylon? Right? Why do you tolerate those People, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all, the, all of them up with hooks. He catches them and his, he goes on and on. And then uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So, so what he's saying here, he goes, I'm just going to sit, I'm just going to wait, and I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to watch what God will do. And what God does is he does answer him, and he says, you know, the reason why I haven't empowered Israel, he goes, because I've seen Israel. And so he, what God says in response to these complaints is these woes. Basically, woe to you because you You've lived off of stolen goods. Woe to you because you've built your house with slave labor. Woe to you because you build your city with bloodshed. Woe to you because you get yourself and your neighbors drunk. Woe to you because of your idolatry. And he says, this is why I've not empowered Israel. But tucked in here is this incredible line. What we're going to call it, it's the key scripture. In chapter 2, verse 4, second part of it, it says, but the righteous person will live by faith. The righteous person will live by faith. 
So yeah, Israel has lived in such a way that I can't give them power. I can't empower Israel. But the righteous, there's a righteous person. That righteous person will live by faith. And so what Habakkuk does, who's sort of this, this um, example of faith or faithfulness, Fidelity is another word that could be used here. Someone, this word can also be translated throughout the scripture, Old Testament, as just truth. The righteous person will live by truth. And Habakkuk then prays, remembering what God has done. And it leads him to the end, to this incredible song of worship that sounds like this. He says in verse 16, and I love Habakkuk because he is complaining, but you can tell just how he is He's so emotionally overwhelmed by what's going on. He's just soaked in. He's seen all there is to see and he is so overwhelmed by it. He says this, I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And he's so aware of what is going on. Listen, he says, though the fig tree does not bud and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. And so, so what is this faithful complaining? What is faith here? What is a righteousness that comes from living by faith. What is a righteousness that comes from living by faith? It is simply someone who follows God. Simply someone who follows God. Because Habakkuk, if you asked Habakkuk, are you a righteous person? He wouldn't have said yes. If I ask any one of you, even though you who have come to Jesus by faith are righteous, Right? That's probably not what you describe yourself like. Hey, Carl, how would you describe yourself? Like, well, I'm, I'm sort of righteous and I'm humble. And I'm, you know, it's, it's not what we would say about ourselves, but it's what God says of us if we just follow him. If, we, if when all these things, though the, the fig tree is not bearing fruit, though there's no olives, though there's a drought, and then we're just going, God, I don't, I'm not getting all these things. I'm seeing all these things, but I'm not getting it and I'm following you. That is the righteousness. That's living by the truth, convinced of who God is. We don't know necessarily how God's going to respond to the circumstance or situation, but we know who he is because we've seen him throughout history. And, And we've heard his promises to us, and so we follow him. So there's three things here, three ways that we respond. And and I think we see it here in, in Habakkuk. And the first is that faith seeks understanding. Faith does not oversimplify what's going on. And we get this sometimes when, when we go through horrible situations and, and sometimes people just want to be like, well, God's good all the time, God's good. It doesn't just oversimplify it to, to short sentences, but Habakkuk Knowing who God is, knowing, knows he can come to God and ask him questions and seek understanding from God. He can plead his case to God and say, God, I don't understand what's going on. Faith does not simply sit down and shut up. Faith comes to God and asks God 
to explain what's going on. And God delights in that. If you've ever felt like to be a person of faith, you just need to sit down and shut up and, and simply obey, God invites you into a relationship with him to ask him what's going on. As, as Habakkuk gets in this interaction with God, sometimes God's responses aren't pleasing to Habakkuk. Sometimes Habakkuk doesn't understand fully what God has going on. But in the end, when Habakkuk prays to God, he says, God, I've seen you part the seas. I've seen the rivers be scared of you, God. I've seen all these things. And so I trust you. But faith persists in seeking understanding. And it's actually a classic definition of orthodoxy. Right believing or right understanding is simply just faith seeking understanding. It's not that we are perfect in our knowing, but we know God and we know we can come to him and we believe that he does know. That we grasp for that. Faith seeks understanding. And we see that in Habakkuk and it is so beautiful. I think it's so helpful for us just to hear Habakkuk start and declare who God is. Second thing is faith doesn't forget who God is. While you're seeking understanding, it doesn't mean you let go of everything you've known of God or who he has been over and over and over again. And I find in myself and I find in our culture, we quickly let go of God. There's a distress, there's an anxiety, there's a fear, and we let go of God and we hold up our hands and we go, what am I to do? But what Habakkuk does here, it's beautiful. You see it in uh, chapter one, verse 12. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. And then in, in chapter three, he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so faith Right? It seeks understanding. It doesn't oversimplify what's happening, but it also doesn't forget who God is. Faith doesn't have a short-term memory like I am so prone to have. Faith doesn't quickly let go, but faith holds the promises of God. And the last thing is this, that faith finds God. And that is the promise that we wrap up here. Faith will find God. Listen to this. Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. Faith will find God. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will not seek him and find him if you let go of him and hold to your fear or you let go of him and you hold to your anxiety. Faith is what finds God. Holding on to who he is, convinced of his character, having a conviction of his promises, you will find him. In 2 Chronicles 7, 13 through 14, God says this as Solomon has set up the temple and he says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, 
When I do that, because that will happen, because there's a time, knowing Solomon's heart, knowing the heart of the kings that follow Solomon, there will be a time when this happens. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Faith finds God. There's a, there's a promise in this. It's beautiful. Right? If my people, come, if they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek my face, I will forgive them. I will heal them. You don't have to live in your injury and your wounds. I will heal. Turn to me. In Isaiah 65, 1 and 2, I want to share this because I think oftentimes when we are in these places where we're letting go of God and we're holding to fear or holding to anxiety or whatever else is going on, these things that distract us and cause us to let go of God and hold to something else, I think what we're so convinced by is that God doesn't actually want us to find him. We're convinced that I want this more than he does. And that is not true. Isaiah 65, it's so beautiful. It says, this is, the, this is God speaking. He says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me to a nation that did not call on my name. I said, here I am, here I am. All day long I've held up my hand to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. And I just, this is this is powerful example of a God who's just hold, holding out his hand, right? Holding out his hand saying, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And what we see this produce in Habakkuk is beautiful. If we can come to the very last verse in Habakkuk, we see an incredible tenderness. This is Habakkuk uh, 3 verse 19. And at the very end of this, after he has said that there, you know, the, the, the trees aren't producing any fruit anymore, there's drought, what Habakkuk finds at the end of his complaining is the tenderness of God. And I think this is so beautiful because the promise here of faith finding God is that when you find him, this is what it sounds like. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The land might be in drought. All these things might be happening. Right? I might walk out my door and I might be in a war zone. I might... I might go into my home and it might feel like a war zone. I might not even have a home. But the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. What we find at the very end of this is Habakkuk who is living in a tumultuous, dreadful time that makes my complaining look so wimpy and wussy. And his, but his relationship with God, his faith in God, his trust in God has led, brought him to a point that while all that is going on, what he says is, God has made my feet like the feet of the earth. He enables me to go. He has drawn me into sweet fellowship with himself. Incredible intimacy with himself. And this is available to you anytime, anywhere to those who pursue God by faith is an intimate relationship with God. Where are you at right now in your life and what is keeping you from worship? I think what we find in this is that 
no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're suffering, no matter what is happening, that worship, worship is what will draw your heart back into a correct view of God. So we see at the end of all these complaining, Isaiah say, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Pray with me. Oh, Father, I pray that right now, as we are sitting in these seats, as we are in a minute going to remember you and taking communion, and then a little later as we walk out these doors, God, it seems like every step we take, every move we make, wherever we are, our minds are racing, and oftentimes they're racing. Am I going to consider who God is first, or am I going to consider who I am? Am I going to trust in who God is, or am I going to fall back into wondering what's going on in me? God, thank you that you invite us to seek understanding. God, thank you for being a God who invites us to not just sit down and shut up, but to pursue your heart. God, if any of us have been holding something else, anything has kept us from worship. God, if some of us read this last refrain in Habakkuk's song, it says, God Almighty is my strength. I feel like I'm on the heights with him. God, if, if some of our hearts just feel in the valley, God, I pray that you'll lift us up now to be with you, to seek your face, to enjoy you, to love you, to put our trust completely in you. God, I pray if some of us have hard hearts. Um, I was thinking yesterday when, it, when an old friend came and they said, I remember when you were really little and you had such a compassionate heart and it made my heart just feel kind of old. God, I, I pray if any of us have hard hearts that you will soften them. You give a promise that you're going to take our heart of stone, you're going to give us a heart of flesh and we can be a people that walk by your spirit and don't walk anymore by our own clumsy understanding. Please refresh us in your presence. Let us love you 100%. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.